it was probably about a week ago. Um, Kathy knew I, the, I had the lesson coming up here. And so they usually ask me, hey, do you know what you're going to speak on? And that's what I think is her loving way of saying, subtle on something. <laughs> because she knows me, and I have about 100 ideas that always run through my head, it seems. And I try to, if you ever see me, I try to write everything down now. I got it on my phone in a notebook, and now I've got, I, there's like eight, or now I'm on the ninth one now, of those notebooks of ideas for lessons or things to capture. Um, so usually she tries to give me a head start, like, hey, you need to settle on something because she knows how I am. So I appreciate that. But uh, tonight, um, she asked me, too, what was it, what's it on? And I said, well, I'm calling it the test. And she kind of went, whoa, <laughs> on that. But that's you'll see what it's about here. Um, and if you would, get your Bibles, too, and we can follow along in different scripture. But it amazingly, it seemed to, or coincidentally, I'll say, not amazingly, it seemed to go along really well with Leonard's lesson this morning. He was hitting on those topics because Leonard's lesson this morning was, why are we here? And this is, I already had this written here. My first line is, why are we here? <laughs> on here. So, so it's almost spooky sometimes how that works out. Um, and I look to, first thing when I think about why are we here, right? I think of Ecclesiastes. 12, 13, that you can look there, where Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Now, if you look, you see the duty there is italicized, which means they added it to try to give better meaning. But if you drop that out of there, that word duty, it says this is the whole of man. This is everything we are. Fear God and keep his commandments. That is everything. This is coming from Solomon, who experienced and had everything in life. It said, in the end, fear God and keep, their, keep his commandments. This is everything you are. God gives us a choice whether to follow him or not. This is the test. And he spells it out, spells out the consequences of either decision. You can look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting at verse 19, which says, I call heaven and earth, I believe this is Moses speaking at this time, yep. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you, he's speaking for God, of course, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you, thou and thy seed may live that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and thou mayest obey his voice and thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life and the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. God gives us this choice today. He lays before us blessings and cursings. Right? Choose, choose life is what he's saying here. We have life, we have death, choose life. We also have God's help. Hebrews 2, verses 18 says, For in, in that he himself has suffered, this is talking about Christ, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So we'll, we'll get help through this. We get help through this life. God tells us through his word that he will test us. Again, looking back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8, 
starting at verse 2, says, and you, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these, way, these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what it was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, uh, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So God took care of them in the wilderness, right? And he tested them for that. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 20 uh, says, And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be upon you, so that ye may not sin. He will test us. But we have what we need to make it through these tests. Second Peter verses one, starting at verse two, says, "Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus, our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things to pertain to life and godliness, and through the knowledge of Him who have called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature." having escaped the corruption of corruption of this world through lust. We will have everything we need to make it through these tests. Now you may think, well, I thought God wasn't supposed to tempt us. Notice that's a different word. Right? Because you can go over to James, starting at verse one, I mean chapter one, verse thirteen, and where it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. But there's a difference between tempt and test. And that's what I want to call out there. God makes it very clear he tests us. It's old, We're told over and over, we're going to look at a few of those. Tempting, though, is trying to get someone to do evil. God does not do that. Testing, on the other hand, is laying a choice in front of us to choose good or evil. Like I read in, uh, back a little bit earlier, he lays blessing and cursing in front of us. Life and death. And what does he say? Choose life. Right? We've got the paths there. He is not tempting us, but he is certainly testing us. So the test will be in choices between good and evil. So will you choose God no matter what circumstance comes here on this world? Let's look at some examples in the Bible here. Uh, Abram, when he was told to leave everything and go to another country, Genesis 12, starting at verse 1, says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a, uh, a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse thee them that curse thee. And uh, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham didn't seem to question it. He departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he went, departed out of Haran. So at 75, God said, I'm going to go to a place you haven't been. And he went. He could have resisted. He, he, that was a test, and he did it. Further on, after that, 
Abraham's faith was confirmed. Genesis 22, uh, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and what was his response? Here am I. Verse 2, And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, with whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there as for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Wow. What a test. Offering up your son. The son of promise, by the way. Verse 10, Abraham stretched forth his hand because he did this. He took him there and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he, what did he say? Here am I. He answered the call. He said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. It was a test. And he passed. David and Bathsheba. David failed his test. David failed it pretty miserably by lusting after Bathsheba and committing adultery. I won't go into all the scripture there, but we know the story. He committed adultery. He murdered her husband, Uriah, and also needlessly killing other soldiers along with Uriah as well. And then marrying Bathsheba, who would have been his seventh wife at that time. But he had a second major test when Nathan the prophet pointed out the sin. He then repented with much godly sorrow and passed that test. Right? Once he had been confronted with that sin. That was good. But notice he did not escape consequences and punishment for killing Uriah and specifically also for marrying Bathsheba. That was a, both were sinful. He repented with uh, the child that came out of that, that they had together would die, and he would have troubles that God promised him with his family for in children the rest of his life because he married Bathsheba. If you look at that specifically, it says that. The same, but we can turn around no matter what we've done and come back and repent just like David did and follow God. Same way with today, we can always turn from sin and be forgiven. But we may still face consequences of the sin that we've committed. Cain, jealous of his brother, right? I'm going to go through these rather quickly. Uh, we know what happened. Uh, we know what happened there. First John 3:12 speaks of it. Talks about Cain, who was of the wicked one, slew his brother, and uh, because his own works were evil and his brothers were, were righteous. Cain obviously failed that test. But I always think of Job in this, you know, in, in matters of test. We should all be familiar with the test of Job. Satan specifically asked God to allow this test, if you read there. Uh, so in one day, uh, after Satan had approached God and asked for it, after God had said, look at my servant Job, and he allowed him to be tested. One day, Job lost his oxen and the other animals and the servants to an attack. Fire fell out of the sky and killed the sheep and the other servants. More enemies came and stole his camels and killed those servants. And finally, a strong wind came and destroyed the house and killed all of his children. 
in one day. What an awful day for Job. What did he say? Job 1, verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. That test wasn't enough for Satan. He went back to God for more. He allowed at this time, I'm going to kind of skip through this, uh, him to actually curse Job himself. And he was covered from head to toe in boils. Even his wife turned against him and said, curse God and die. What did Job say in Job 2 verse 10? He said unto her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? We get good and bad in this life. Don't we, you know, it's like, are, are we going to, only going to follow God as long as good comes? That's what he's saying. And it said, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Could we ever say that we had things worse than Job? I don't think anybody could ever say that. But he held on. He passed the test and eventually was blessed again. Looking again to Jesus. Was Jesus tested? Yes, he was. Jesus had to face Satan himself, right? And he came to him at a weak point when he had been fasting, uh, what was it, for 40 days? 40 days, long time. Watch this, Satan comes and hits you at your weak point. Satan's a coward. He gets you at your weakest point. He's also a roaring lion, so we should fear him in that sense. But he comes and hits us at the weakest points. We should realize that. He came to hit Jesus uh, at that point. But how did Jesus get through those tests? He used the Word of God. He rebuffed him each time with the Word of God. Jesus was later tested when he faced faced the test of the cross. Where in the garden he asked God for another way to accomplish this. Right. Matthew 26, starting at verse 36, said, Then Jesus came to a place called Gethsemane and said unto the disciples, Sit here while you go and pray. And, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus was tested again. But he passed the test by always putting his father and following it first and following his will. So are we tested today? Well, we're tested every day. Right? Things go on. Sometimes it's big tests, sometimes small, small tests. How do we pass these tests? Well, we do what Abraham did. We obey. We do what Job did. We persevere. And we do what Jesus did. We, he, we pray for strength. We use God's word. And we obey God. That's how they did it. James chapter 4, starting at verse 6 says, But he gives us more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the power, proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So, Being humble, in in verse 7, therefore submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do we believe that? That's 
what God's Word says. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves, verse 10, in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. So remember it even said after Jesus resisted the devil, the devil even left him alone for a while. He'll do the same for us. But we must resist. Some tests we face are much more significant. This is can result in what I call a crisis of faith. These can be major turning points in our lives. One that many face that I've seen, myself included, is as we enter our adult years. I see this over and over in those that are about 17, 18, 19 range. This is when many in the church decide, will they continue their faith? The test is whether their faith that they've been taught growing up will become their own or will they reject it. This decision is heavily influenced by their parents and their friends, those that are around them. It can be difficult for children whose parents have weak faith to develop a strong faith that they take into childhood. That's why we need to be strong for them. It generally seems, if we're honest and looking at the numbers, we lose about half the kids that come through here. We must encourage our young people to strengthen their faith and be ready to answer any of these questions or doubts for them. In my teen years, I'll say I faced many doubts at times. Uh, For myself, I had a significant uh, issue with involving the science I was learning in school and what I was reading in the Bible and how they work together. I know others have faced that as well. But I came across the material that we had from Apologetics Press that gave me answers. And that changed me. And you know what? It strengthened my faith. That was a crisis of faith for me. I searched the Bible and I came out of it stronger. Other significant challenges to our faith today can be the work environment that we're in and those around us. Many are tempted to sin by those around us every day that are leading sinful lives. We can also get ourselves in great debt and when we're drawn into debt by the desire for physical things and the comfort of this world, then we have to work so much to pay this debt it takes us away from God. Our family finds that, uh, you know, that, or maybe a family finds that the, that debt requires both parents to work and takes away family time and time from God. We have to choose what's more important. That's another test that God puts in front of us. I know many that let their work have let their work take them away from God and failed this test. Uh, having a spouse that's unfaithful to marriage can lead to a crisis of faith. This is another devastating thing. Again, I've seen happen too many times. Having a spouse who is a weak Christian or is unfaithful or is not a Christian at all is a test of faith. Will they draw you to God or away from God? You have to be stronger in those senses those circumstances. Will they draw your children away from God? This is a lifelong test many times that there are situations people are in. I'm running through these quickly. Addictions are a test of faith. I'm seeing more and more of this today. Many drug addictions that you see out there. Let's just say ever since uh, they've changed the marijuana law in this state, it has not gone well. I can't walk around my neighborhood now without smelling it everywhere about practically. Right? And it's an addiction, right? And you see the destruction, you see the people and what it does to them. 
Another addiction that's out of control today is pornography. I saw a recent post from Brad Harrop who was speaking with a teen group about the dangers of pornography and afterwards several young men came up to him, he said, asking for help because they were addicted. There is help for this. So parents, be sure you know what your children are looking at on their phones or whatever other device. Ask them to take you through it. If they hesitate, ask them why. Spouses, you can do the same for your spouse as well. There is help for this, and it's affecting way too many people. If anyone here needs help for this, I'm sure you could talk to Leonard or myself or anybody else in this congregation you can trust. But this is another test that's drawing many people away. Another test I see out there today is our own self-righteous beliefs in general that all I have to do is feel good about my life, feel good about uh, a spiritual life, they'll claim. They'll say, I, I've seen people say, I don't follow a religion, but I'm a spiritual person. Well, what does that mean? Right? Uh, I attend worship and that's enough, or I've done enough. Well, we never do enough uh, in, in our work for God. We're always the servant for God. Um, people may face many challenge, physical challenges today through heart issues and cancer and other terrible diseases. That can be another test that we go through. This can really hurt our faith in God if we allow it. We can look to Job as an example of how to get through that. Another great struggle today is the challenges to our mental health. This was a crisis that I faced a few years ago. It was very difficult and very challenging, but with the help of God and you people here, I'm much better today. And I have a stronger faith today than I did because of that. And I can go through and help others with similar challenges. So you come through these things stronger. This is why God tests us. So how do you feel when you pass a test? Well, generally you feel pretty good, right? How do you feel when you pass a spiritual test? Hopefully that's good, too. Hopefully you're wiser, and hopefully that helps you pass the next test. One thing I know is that each test I've had has changed me and helped me to improve my spiritual life. James 1, starting at verse 2, talks about this. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So instead of looking at our tests and trials as, oh no, here's one more thing that's going to go wrong or something along those lines, one more trouble, one more challenge, Let's look at more of this as one more challenge to learn from and grow from. Let's look at this as a test. This is one more test that God has given me and ask ourselves, will I pass this one? You may be thinking, oh, you don't know the troubles I've seen, Chris. You don't know the troubles that I'm having. And you're right. We each have our own troubles. We each have our own challenges to go through. But you know who does know? God. God knows what you're going through. The question is, will you turn to Him? We also have the final exam coming up. 
Revelation 20, starting at verse 12, said, And I saw the the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in those books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. Well, what books are we going to be judged against? What books are we going to be tested against? Well, the books of the Bible, right? What he gave us. The book of life that it mentions here is where the names are written of those who have passed. Passed the test, I mean. So where are you now? What is your midterm grade if you had it? Would you like to see your midterm grade? Ask yourself where you stand now. Are you passing? See, God gives us everything we need to pass this test of life and determine where we will spend eternity in the next life. The devil keeps telling you you can't do it. It's too hard. Or he distracts you with sin so that you will fail. Let's use the examples that God gives us of Abraham and Job and Jesus to encourage us in this life. To let that, that will let you know that you can overcome any challenge, any test the world throws at you so that you will be saved in the end. Remember, this life is short. Eternity is long. This life is not about me. It is about God. This life is not about myself and my own desires. It is about helping others. This life is really not about this life. It's about the next. Let us be focused on that next life by passing this test of life. So if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you can do that tonight. You can come forward and request to be baptized to wash away your sins by your obedience to God. Or if you need prayers or any request in any way, you can come up now as we stand and sing.